0: But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger.
2: Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. Good to be back after a few weeks of vacation for me and for Griggs. In our next segment, Sports Business Radio Headlines of the Week. Then in segment three, Rusty Hathaway with Wailea Golf Club. You know I went to Maui recently, which I'll talk about in a moment. I had a chance to play the Emerald Course at Wailea Golf Club when I was there. Some of the best golf courses in the United States, definitely on Maui. We'll discuss that with Rusty Hathaway from Wailea Golf Club in segment three. In segment four, the latest from the NBA bargaining tables with Ken Berger, NBA insider from CBSSports.com. It's not looking good, folks, if you're an NBA fan. We'll have the latest for you with Ken Berger, my brother from another mother, in segment four. Couple of other notes visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. At sportsbusinessradio.com. You can become our Facebook friend or follow us on Twitter. Just go to the icons on the front page of sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm on Twitter at SB Radio. Grizzle 22 on Twitter. Griggs,
3: you took the fam to uh, Disneyland. How, how can you not have a great time yeah, there? It's uh, There's something about that place. You can be 90 or you can be 5, and it's awesome. Yep. I loved it. had a great it's week. It's magical. It's magical. It really is. It's, I feel weird saying that, but it was awesome. Great week. And you week. got a little guy. How did he like it? Oh, I loved it. We were in Fantasyland pretty much night, 20, 24 hours a day. And did he get a lot of autographs from oh, the yeah. characters? And we had the breakfast with Mickey and the friends. Nice. And all that? It was awesome. Good Excellent.
2: Time. And I went to uh, another form of Disneyland, Maui, with my daughter, and we had a fantastic time there. I did sneak away from... For an afternoon and, and play some golf, but uh, boy, I'll tell you what, if there was a way I could find to do this show from Maui, I'd be there tomorrow. Coming up next, it's the Sports Business Radio headlines of the week. The NFL season underway. The U.S. Open wraps up. The NBA labor strife continues. Those are all coming up in headlines. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. I'll be right back.
0: This is SBR, back with more after this. It's a clear
2: day. It's the age of new media and citizen journalism. Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record. I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the Record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at EverythingIsOnTheRecord.com.
0: It's time, baby. Special news bulletin. At Sports Business Radio, we're always on top of what's happening in the world of sports. And each week, we break down the stories you need to know about. This is Headlines. I
1: want to be. The
0: headline. On Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. Headline.
2: headline number one: The NFL is back. Rejoice, and fans did. The most viewed opening weekend ever for the NFL. A record 107.4 million fans tuned in to kick off weekend games. Three games in opening weekend top 25 million average viewers. Saints-Packers got 27.2 million. That was the opener on NBC on Thursday. The Fox National Game telecast of the Giants-Redskins got 25.8 million. And the NBC Sunday night game in New York, Cowboys-Jets I had said that would be the highest rated Sunday night football game ever. It was 25.8 million people. Griggs, I thought from the 9-11 tributes to just the fact that we were salivating for NFL football after the lockout, it added up to the recipe for huge success for opening weekend for the NFL.
3: Yeah, it was perfect timing, perfect week for it, and just awesome games. I mean, some great entertainment, some high-scoring games, just a lot of fun. It was a great week. Um... Every game I turned on was, was awesome. It was great.
2: And I love the NFL's decision to allow Lance Briggs, Tom Brady, and other players to wear red, white, and blue NYPD, FDNY, first responder tributes on their uniforms. They let it go for the 9-11 weekend, and it was the right decision. Contrast that with Major League Baseball and Bud Selig and Joe Torre, who just got it flat wrong by not allowing the New York Mets to wear FDNY, NYPD, and Port Authority hats on 9-11, on their nationally televised game on ESPN, one of the worst decisions I've ever seen made by a sports league, and then you have Bud Selig come out afterwards, and he's upset with the Mets for throwing him under the bus. Bud Selig needs to put on his big boy shoes. He's the one who made the decision. Griggs, I think he owes fans and Major League Baseball League followers, an apology for such a terrible decision.
3: Yeah, and I mean, baseball is America's pastime. That You'd think that'd be the sport that would be going crazy for the 9-11 thing. And then they're the ones that, it, it doesn't make sense. It's terrible. Well, Total.
2: and Joe Torre is like, you know, the first in command now under C-League. At Major League Baseball, he was managing the Yankees in 2001 when this all happened. You would think he'd be nudging C-League going, hey, dude, pull your head out of the sand, and this is the right thing to do, but they got it wrong, and what a surprise. Major League Baseball usually gets things wrong. Our next headline, the NBA labor negotiations continue. There were meetings earlier this week on Tuesday. Those did not go well, and now the season is in peril. And the NBA owners and the players met on Thursday. Owners met in Dallas. Players met in Las Vegas with the membership groups. And there's a ruling coming up on October 1st. There's a National Labor Board ruling whether or not this lockout is legal or illegal. That's October 1st. I think the two sides are going to hang tight until that ruling comes out. Then we may see the next domino fall. Will there be decertification? Will the... Two sides get back together and schedule meetings. At this point, they have not scheduled more meetings. And Griggs, as we said with the NFL
3: lockout, when you're not meeting, you're not going to find a solution. Yeah, nothing's getting done. It's kind of like both sides are in cement, you know, 100 miles away, and they don't want to really budge. They don't to want to move. And it's just, you just don't see it moving forward very well. And like you say, when they're not meeting, nothing's going to happen. And here's the biggest problems
2: A, the owners aren't on the same page with each other about revenue sharing and other issues. B, The players aren't on the same page on a lot of the issues. Some think we should decertify. Others think we shouldn't. And then, you know, you're not meeting and and you're not getting together regularly. So you add all those things up and then the owners really want a hard cap, which would be the end of the Miami Heat, the Lakers... The Celtics, as far as teams that have three stars on the team, a hard cap will end all of that, which I think is bad for the NBA. Say what you want about the Heat and the Lakers, love them or hate them, people are watching them. And if you end the super team, just like you have in baseball, the Yankees and the Red Sox, in the NFL, you've got the Cowboys and the Jets. If you don't have those super teams, it's bad for your league. And that's what the NBA is trying to do here with the hard cap.
3: I think it's a big mistake. Yeah, I don't agree with the hard cap either because, like you say, people tune in to see the stars. I mean, that's why we watch sports. That's what you liked seeing. And when you got two or three of them on one team, obviously people are going to tune into that. So I don't think that's a good choice either.
2: I've got my five solutions to end the NBA lockout. Go to sportsbusinessradio.com, look on my blog. You can see my five solutions towards ending the NBA lockout. All right, our final headline of the week, the US Open. I watched a little bit of it. The men's final with Djokovic and Nadal was fantastic. The scoreboard didn't indicate how close that match was. I mean, Griggs, there were rallies of twenty-two strokes back and forth. These guys were going at it. Djokovic wins. He's 64 and 2 this year, one of the most dominant years a tennis player's ever had. He's won more money this year than any tennis player has ever won in the history of tennis in a single season. He's been great. The problem with the U.S. Open is all the weather. They delay the final to Monday. The women's final is delayed to Sunday. Serena Williams has another meltdown with an umpire. And what's up with finding her two thousand dollars? That's like telling her to pull a dollar out of her pocket. <laughs> Find her like a hundred grand if you want to send a message. Two thousand dollars? Are you kidding me?
3: Yeah, that was ridiculous. And like you said, the weather. It's like this U.S. Open went on for like weeks and weeks and weeks because you, you couldn't tune in. Oh, where it's delayed, delayed, delayed. Oh, it's next Monday. It's crazy. went on for a long time, but it was, at the same time, still entertaining. I did tune in quite a bit to it. So
2: I love the U.S. Tennis Center. I've been there. I've seen the U.S. Open. But like Wimbledon and like the Australian Open, they need center court to have a retractable roof. End of story. has to happen, or you're going to have this continue every year. The networks aren't going to be happy. Fans won't be happy. And it's not going to be good news for tennis in the U.S. Open. All right, coming up next, it's Rusty Hathaway from Wailea Golf Club on the beautiful island of Maui, where I was recently. Had a chance to play the Emerald course. The courses there have played uh, host to the Wendy's Skins game, some of the best courses in America. We'll review Wailea Golf Club coming up next. I'm Brian Berger. You're listening to Sports
0: Business Radio. will be right back. If it never lasts. to sports business radio with brian Berger. my guest
2: is rusty hathaway he's the head golf pro at wailea golf club in maui you can find them online at www.waileagolf.com i was in maui recently and rusty was gracious enough to host me for a round of golf at the emerald course
4: rusty how are you i'm great uh, thanks for having me on
2: well, I'm missing my days in Maui. It was beautiful weather when we were there. And this golf course, the golf course is there. You're in this little pocket. There's never bad days there, are there?
4: Well, I, you know, there's not too many of them. I mean, I, if there are, I can count them on my one hand. Uh, we're right up against the uh, crater, so uh, the uh, uh, weather pattern is uh, very favorable f- uh, for us. I was blown away by
2: the views, the vista views. The lava, just the courses in general. Let's talk about the different courses. First of all, uh, they were designed by Robert Trent Jones II back in 1994. They opened, but these are three of the best golf courses in the world.
4: I'm, um, you know, I, I I can't dispute that. Uh, they are they are fabulous golf courses. They're they're perfect for resort golf courses. Uh, it fulfills uh, uh, any caliber that uh, might come out here, and uh, it'll give you a good. Uh, test for the better players and uh, certainly for the higher handicaps they'll have an enjoyable round
2: so you've got the gold course the emerald course the blue course how would you rate them as far as uh, difficulty
4: well the way i would do it was definitely the uh uh you know and i'm i'm thinking you know from the back tees and you know in the middle tees but i would rate them the gold would be the toughest um the uh, uh uh, blue would be in the middle, and the Emerald would be the easiest, although the Emerald from the back tees is no uh, is no uh, easy uh, task.
2: See, you're making me feel bad. We played the Emerald, and you're saying that's the easiest course. I went out there. You're probably still repairing the course from when I was there, which I do apologize for, but uh, I was playing with rental clubs, although they were very good rental clubs, just didn't find my mojo that day but i think i was more mesmerized by the the views and just the beauty i took a ton of pictures and uh it was just captivating
4: well uh, you know that's easy to do and uh, on all the courses i mean uh hawaii and, and maui is certainly a special uh place and uh you know we want people to uh you know have a great time we want them to uh Uh, look out at the vistas and, uh, you know, just think that, yes, this is indeed paradise. And, uh, you know, and we also want them to have an enjoyable round. And I think you had an enjoyable round, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Oh, I had a great round playing with yourself. And then my good friend, John Wetzel, who used to coach in the NBA. And uh, you guys are very good golfers. So at least I got to see how good golf is played, because I certainly wasn't... uh, putting on a clinic out there, but it was just, it was beautiful out there. And, you know, like I said, the, the ocean views, if people want to come play Wailea Golf Club, what's the best way for them to make a tee time?
4: Well, there's, there's several ways. I mean, for the, uh, uh, internet savvy, uh, folks, you know, they can go on the website. Uh, you can book them out 45 days out in, adv- in advance. Uh, if you, uh, prefer to call in, uh, you can call 30 days out, uh, and uh, we'd be happy to uh, you know, accommodate you. So there's several ways that you can do it. Uh, there, we're also connected to a lot of some of the uh, 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 golf wholesalers as well, so they can uh, check on those uh, uh, in, on the Internet as well.
2: Joined by Rusty Hathaway, he's the head golf pro at Wailea Golf Club. Find them online at com. So these are award-winning courses. Golf Magazine, Golf Digest have rated them as two of the best golf courses in the entire country. I'm sure the accolades roll in every year.
4: Absolutely. Uh, uh, We had the uh, senior skins game on the gold course, and... uh, uh, all the players, are, you know, they, they really enjoyed playing the golf course. You know, it wasn't, uh, it, you know, it didn't beat you up. Uh, what you saw is what you got. Uh, the greens were, were true for the most part. And uh, I think, you know, they enjoyed coming out here, uh, uh, enjoying the weather in February. I mean, my goodness, uh, you know, what better place can you play golf in, in, the, in the month of February than in Hawaii and in on Maui? Uh, so, I, you know, it was it was nice to get the... The comments from the uh, you know, world-class players, the legends of, of the game that actually said, you know, hey, this is, uh, this is a special, you know, special spot.
2: Rusty, we're going through a little bit of a tough economy right now. Are you seeing that in Maui, or is it still pretty uh, consistent business over there?
4: you know it's uh yeah we're uh i think everybody in the business is seeing it at some level um, you know although we're we're doing okay uh it's certainly not as great as it has been in the past uh... but you know we uh, we have the product and uh... you know we've always maintained that product uh... so that when you come out here you know you certainly getting your money's worth and uh... yeah it's been difficult uh... at times where we're doing more with less um, uh... but as everybody is uh... but you know we're still you know we're still plugging along and uh... we're starting to see some of the corporate stuff coming back and uh, not as big as uh... in the past but certainly uh... you know uh... are they're, they're coming back uh... You you know, slowly but surely. So, uh, you know, we just keep plugging along and, uh, you know, take what we can get.
2: Talk to me about the David Ledbetter Golf Academy. I guess if you have some time and you really want to work on your golf game, that's there on site at the Wailea Golf Club.
4: Yeah, well, as you, uh, as I showed you uh, when you came out here, the uh, top of the range there was uh, it's beautiful office. <laughs> Jeez, what a view. I, I tweeted that out at SB Radio if you want to check it out. I will, I will, but it's it's a, it's an awesome view and again uh, uh we have a uh uh certified lead better uh two uh teachers, uh, husband and wife, uh Eddie and Renee Lee, and uh they're uh you know they're there for uh 6 days a week uh, you know to help you on your game if you uh, so choose to Spend a you know anywhere from a three-day school to uh, you know a half hour. Uh, they're able to accommodate uh, you, and they've had they have video and uh, all the you know bells and whistles that uh, you know now go along with uh, uh, first-class teaching facility.
2: Yeah, that's what I need. I, I'm in our studio right now, and I'm showing some of the press materials to my producer Brian Griggs, and he's salivating over the the views uh, from the top of the the Leadbetter Academy there, and. Uh, That's one thing. If I could do anything, I wish I could just go spend a few weeks having you or someone help me work on my golf game. I don't get to play enough now um, to where I'm I'm any good, but uh, I certainly enjoy playing courses like the courses you have there in Maui.
4: Yeah, that's one of the good things about golf is that you don't have to be good to enjoy the game, and uh, you know certainly uh, uh, you know anybody that. you know, wants to work on their game, uh, you know, certainly that's the best place to start is, uh, you know, as a professional, whether it be an academy or a PGA professional to help them out with the game, uh, you know, because sometimes it's just a, you know, it's a small tweak here and there, or, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a major tweak, but, uh, you know, we certainly can, uh, you know, I feel that every time I have a student, I feel that I'm going to help them, you know, one way or the other to improve their game just, just a little bit.
2: Rusty, for people who haven't been to Maui, give people a little bit of a a lay of the land as to where uh, Wailea Golf Club is located. I know the Grand Wailea, the Four Seasons, there are some resorts that are very close by to where your golf courses are.
4: Well we're on the we're in the south side of of Maui and uh, uh again as I explained earlier that we're uh kind of uh, uh right up against the uh, bottom of the uh crater which is uh, over 10,000 feet and uh we are situated in a uh, a great uh, uh weather pattern uh, uh, actually i believe uh, we're known in this side as the desert side of the island uh, but you would never know it with uh, with all the greenery uh, around but it's uh, you know we have uh you know beautiful beaches uh you know great hotels um, it's, it's one of it, it is like i said a very special place uh, to be part of and if you haven't been here you know once in a lifetime uh, you got to do it
2: You've been there for a long time, and you started out, uh, weren't you working on the range, and you've worked your way all the way up to head pro, and you've seen a lot there at uh, Wailea Golf Club.
4: Absolutely. I've been here 33 years. I started out uh, as a uh, cart attendant and uh, was running carts uh, up and down over at the Old Blue, Um, and, you know, just worked my way up. And I knew that this was a very special place that I wanted to be part of it. And uh, I just had to be patient and, uh, you know, work my way through. And uh, I knew knew it was going to be a very competitive uh, uh, job market, you know, because it was so special, and I just wanted to be part of it. And uh, I've been very lucky, Uh, been in, uh, you know, going on our third owner, and uh, I feel very uh, blessed that, uh, you know, I've been here that long.
2: See, all of our listeners should take note of Rusty's story because I get letters and emails all the time from people saying, I want to work in sports. A lot of times people want things to happen right away, but you were persistent. You kept at it. Now think of all the different sides of the business that you know because you did work your way up from card attendant to head pro.
4: Absolutely, and I think those are the, some of the reasons that, uh, you know, have gotten me to the position that I am, uh, today. Uh, I've, I've seen it all. I started at the, at the bottom. I saw, uh, you know, what it is to, to provide customer service. I, I, I saw what it is to, you know, run the cart barn, the the bag room and all these things and and that's part of a well-rounded PGA golf professional now is is having all that knowledge. Uh sometimes you can get it, you know, through the books obviously, but uh I, you know, I got mine firsthand uh from uh experience and uh again, uh it, I was very lucky and uh I did have a a little bit of patience if you will and uh it it's all paid off in the end.
3: Well, I'll tell you
2: this. I had a magnificent experience with you at Wailea Golf Club, and everyone that I met from the moment I stepped out of the car until the moment I I left at the end of my round was really polite, very friendly. So I, I think you guys do a fantastic job there.
4: Well, thank you very much. and. uh by the way, you're always welcome to come back and get me out of the office. As well.
2: <laughs> <laughs> See, that's good when I can come and I'll, I'll just look you up and we'll grab John Wetzel and uh, we'll go out and you'll have a nice day out of the office. Your office outside, overlooking the the ocean, is much better than probably your one where you have to sit inside.
4: Well, that's one of the good things about the uh, you know being uh, the head pro. I mean, uh, as I've explained. Uh, often that every day is the same but different and you know I'm lucky in the sense that you know I don't have to stay behind the desk you know eight hours you know I can I can take a break go out you know be with the customers go outside check the you know the service uh, uh, area outside the card areas the range so I'm able to be mobile and and, you know if I get tired of sitting for just a you know an hour or so I can uh, move around and it's great.
2: That is a great thing. Rusty Hathaway, Head goal Golf Pro Wailea Golf Club. Find them online, waileagolf.com, one of the best golf courses you'll find in the country. One of my favorite courses in Maui. Just a spectacular experience I had there a few weeks ago when I was in Maui. Rusty, thanks again.
4: Hey, Brian. Uh, thank you. And again, uh, that invitation uh, stands. So anytime you're out this way, you know, please get me out of the office.
2: I really appreciate it. Aloha. Aloha. That's Rusty Hathaway from Wailea Golf Club. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right
0: back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. I believe I'm waiting.
2: Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Well, I'm dusting off my golf clubs and looking forward to enjoying the gorgeous Oregon summer weather on the golf course. Like many of you, I'm on a budget. I want to tee it up when it's convenient for my schedule, and I enjoy playing golf courses that deliver a private golf club experience. That's why I want to tell you about the Ghost Pass at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club. The Ghost Pass is Oregon's premier frequent player program that allows you to play the world-renowned Ghost Creek Golf Course for over half off of the regular greens fees. And with your Ghost Pass, you can make your tee times 14 days in advance. The Ghost Pass program sets itself apart by offering a competitive tournament program, which includes one exclusive Ghost Pass event at Witch Hollow. The Ghost Pass is available for only $150, and here's the best part. When you sign up for the Ghost Pass, you'll receive a complimentary round of golf valued at $150, so you literally can't lose when you purchase the Ghost Pass. Go online to PumpkinRidge.com and sign up for the Ghost Pass today. I'll see you on the links. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm joined on the phone right now by Ken Berger, NBA insider for CBSSports.com. Ken, how are you? All right. How are you? I'm doing fine, but it doesn't sound like uh, yesterday went very well. What's the latest from the bargaining table?
1: Well, uh, where we are right now is that there, there are no further talks scheduled. Each side is kind of going to its neutral corner. The owners will meet, the board of governors uh, will meet in Dallas tomorrow. The players will meet in Vegas to kind of update each full body on where things are. And uh, basically, uh, we're at a stalemate over the system. Now, I, I thought it was encouraging that each side acknowledged that they felt like a, a compromise was in sight, was within reach, on the dollars, and that's basically half the fight. You know, they're fighting over the dollars, the split of BRI, and they're fighting over the system. Uh, the players are hellbent against a hard cap. The owners are insisting that they need one. So, uh, it becomes a matter of which side is more unified and which side is going to be willing to risk, uh, losing games, possibly many games, possibly a season. Over the issue of what kind of salary cap the NBA has.
2: Ken, a lot of people are going, What's a hard cap? What's a flex cap? What's a soft cap? Explain what a hard cap is and how that would change the dynamics for teams in the NBA.
1: Well, basically, um, you know, the NBA already has a hard cap in aggregate because the players are guaranteed 57%. Uh, of revenues and no more so only a certain amount of money last year it was about two point one billion dollars can be paid out in salary to the players what the owners want obviously they want a reduction in that they feel like they're paying too much to the players and the players seem to be willing to compromise on that aspect what they're not willing to compromise on is going to a hard cap which they feel will further depress salaries and basically what the owners want is a system where you know, you don't have the Lakers and the Knicks and the Celtics paying 90 to 100 and something million dollars in salary because they're in big markets and have big local TV deals and enormous cash flow. Uh, whereas teams like Sacramento and Memphis and Minnesota and Charlotte, down at the bottom of the ladder, can't afford to pay that kind of money, and they feel like... The owners feel like uh, a hard cap system, much like uh, what the NFL has, or a flex cap system where there's a midpoint and sort of a sliding scale up and down with certain exceptions, like the NHL has, would be better for competitive balance.
2: I'm sure they would phase into a hard cap, I would think, but if a hard cap does go into effect, that's the end of the Miami Heat as we know it, isn't it?
1: Well, yeah, it, it, you know, the, the devil is always in the details, and and it depends on what kind of phase-in you're looking at, and I think that's one of the things that is negotiable here, uh... if they can kind of salvage uh, the progress that they made in the three previous meetings, and not let a lot of time go by before they meet again, um, because I, I think there is some room for a middle ground there. You know, there 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 are two extreme positions here, you know, a hard cap and a salary freeze on the owners' part and, you know, somewhat of a concession on economics, uh, along with keeping the system exactly the way it is. So there is a middle in there somewhere, and it has to do with, you know, how quickly do you get to this new system? Uh, how many exceptions are you going to allow? Or are you going to force teams to basically just, uh, with, through dramatic rollbacks, have to you basically, you know, cut half their roster in order to uh, remain, you know, in order to get under the cap? So I think those things are negotiable, and I'm actually... Um, I'm not optimistic because I think each side is extremely uh, anchored to its position on the system issues, but I think the fact that they've at least come to a point where they can see the light at the end of the tunnel on the economics, I think that has to be taken as somewhat positive.
2: We're joined by Ken Berger of CBS dot com. He's their NBA insider. Follow him on Twitter at kberg CBS. So you talk about that division of the pie, the Bri, fifty seven percent for the players last year. What are they? What are they talking about? You're saying they're getting closer to settling on a number. What does that look like?
1: Well, their their most recent proposal that uh, was made public was on June thirtieth, where they had they were offering a six year deal with a starting point in the first year at 54.3% of BRI. Uh, sources are, are telling me that the, that by the end of this six-year deal, that figure would go up above 55%. Um, and I think the players have been negotiable on the split of future revenues. There's all different kinds of ways you can play with it. You can say we get a certain percentage of the current pool of revenue that uh, we're expecting and on any increases in revenue we will be willing to give the owners uh, a little bit bigger bigger slice of that but um, all all of that is negotiable what what they came or what they offered to come to the table with yesterday was a further move on that 54.3% starting point I do not know the exact number but you're obviously getting closer to the 50-50 split that the owners ideally would like to see um... And it's just a matter of, you know, what the players put on that was a condition the owners just simply could not respond to, which was we will only make this economic move below 54.3 if you will agree in advance to keep the system the way it is. And the owners said they're just not going to do that.
2: Ken, in Major League Baseball, we see revenue sharing. You've got the Yankees and the Red Sox who generate lots and lots of money. Then you've got the Marlins and the Royals who don't generate nearly as much. So there's revenue sharing. That's been discussed with the NBA. Where does that all stand?
1: Well, that's that's a big point of, uh, of frustration for the players because the owners uh, and the league negotiators continue to say that they're having discussions about revenue sharing. Their goal is to triple the amount of revenue sharing from about sixty million dollars a year to up to about hundred eighty million dollars or so um, i'm not sure that the players believe that's that's enough that would certainly be a step but the owners have not shared any details of their revenue sharing plan that they're working on with the players And the players really feel like if if the big uh... problem for the owners is competitive balance revenue sharing is clearly a tool that can address that so i think the players are unwilling you know they feel like on one hand they're 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 making concessions economically in terms of overall salary but they're not willing to go any further and they're not willing to give up the system which they feel uh... gives the players more flexibility and gives them more job security if the owners aren't going to unveil how they're going to address the part of competitive balance that they can control and clearly Revenue sharing is a way that owners in the sport can, to a degree, control you know, which teams are able to spend how much. And I, I think the players, and, and, I, and I think you know, it's hard to really blame them, they're not willing to go any further than where they are, the line in the sand they've drawn, without, until they see what that proposal looks like.
2: So in these battles, it's the billionaires versus the millionaires, and the billionaires usually win. What leverage do the NBA players have at this point?
1: Well, um, there's two things. Number one, uh, and this applies to both sides, the the calendar. As we get closer and closer to a point where it's going to be literally impossible to to draw up a, a collective bargaining agreement and still start the season on time, that affects both sides. And you know, it affects the players who will be missing paychecks, and it affects the owners who will be losing out on revenue. And sponsors and marketing money and all kinds of other good stuff. Uh, so that's the first thing. The other one is the, the National Labor, Labor Relations Board. The players are hopeful that they will get a decision from the NLRB, uh, as early as October 1st, uh, on their charge of unfair labor practices against the NBA. And if they get a complaint, if they're successful in getting the NLRB to file a complaint against the NBA for failing to bargain in good faith, the next possible step would be an injunction by a federal judge lifting the lockout. That would kind of really cast a whole new set of uh, parameters over these talks, and the players would have leverage. If they're unsuccessful there, I think that, that favors the owners. Um, the other possibility that you've heard a lot about that several high-profile agents are pushing for is decertification, um, which would basically mean the NBA union fe- ceases to exist, and then the whole thing gets thrown into the federal court system, and that is a lengthy, lengthy fight. That, in my view, would just about guarantee that a significant chunk of the season would be lost.
2: Yeah, I mean, we saw with the NFL, if it's litigation instead of negotiation, it certainly slows the process. And if you're talking about that uh, National Labor Relations Board decision coming on October 1st, here we are on September 14th. It seems to me that both sides just wait and see what a judge rules on there, right?
1: Yeah, I, w- I would think so. I would think so. I think from the player standpoint, they feel like um, it, it's worth waiting that out to see if they get a favorable ruling because that would certainly help their negotiating position. But um, you know, the other thing about decertification and how it played out in the NFL, not only does it slow down the process, um, you know, they, there's also bad law there for the NBA players. You know, that there was never a favorable ruling from the federal court system in the NFL case that decertification was a was a viable option and was a legal option uh... the only ruling there was that you know the, the, the uh... district judge didn't have the authority to to lift the lockout and they didn't go beyond that so uh, i i think that's a can of worms uh... the decertification angle that really is you know it's been called the nuclear option and david stern at one point said he's not so sure it isn't the nuclear option that blows up on the one that uses it And I I think that's a chance that at this point, uh, the NBA Players Association can't really afford to take.
2: We've got a few minutes left with Ken Berger of CBSSports.com. He's their NBA insider. Something else that owners have been concerned about. We saw LeBron James leave Cleveland for Miami. There's been talks that Chris Paul may leave New Orleans for a bigger market. Players leaving their teams, their small market teams most often, to go join up with super friends. A franchise tag, the NFL uses that. Is there any chance that the NBA may ever go to a franchise tag with some of their marquee players?
1: You know, I don't think, to my understanding, it has not taken on a prominent role in the negotiations because they have been so fixated on the money and the system. Um, But that is certainly a system issue and a system tool that could be useful. And I think both sides see some aspects of the NFL cap system uh, as something that they could accept. And I think the franchise chat tag would help uh, in, to a certain degree. Um, I'm just not sure that it's something that has been able to get enough play in the meetings because everyone's so fixated on dollars and system.
2: What's your prediction for the next few weeks? How do you see this playing out? There's no meetings scheduled. They walked away from the tables yesterday. I don't know what... Uh, David Sturd and Adam Silver are going to tell the owners and what Billy Hunter and Derek Fisher are going to tell the players at the meetings tomorrow in Vegas and in uh, Dallas, I believe. But what happens from here, Ken?
1: Well, I think those meetings tomorrow are are key. I think you're going to find out now this process kind of shifts away from the bargaining table and away from the impasse and the priorities that each side has against the other, And it shifts inward. And I think you're going to find out now how unified each side is. You have the potential of a mutiny on the player side with the agents representing enough, who are pushing for decertification, representing enough players to have a vote for it and dissolve the union. And then on the owner side, you know, you had a circumstance yesterday that was fascinating. When the players came in with their ultimatum, you know, we'll make uh, an economic move if you keep the system the same. The owners convened by themselves for three hours discussing that and nobody knows other than those who were in the room what was going on in there for three hours but it sort of leaves open to speculation that there's some disagreement or some disunity in there among the different owners and i think that's only going to be uh... exacerbated when you get the full group the full board of governors in the room together i think you you can't deny it's only common sense that you know owners in los angeles and boston and well, Boston's a bad example. Wick Grossbeck is one of the hawks in this. But, you know, New York, Chicago, some of the bigger markets that are doing well, you know, they're saying, hey, if we've gotten, if we've already won half the fight here, are we gonna, are we gonna cut off our nose to spite our face to just to win the other half? And so I, I think you have some interesting dynamics on both sides. That you're going to see play out over the next few weeks.
2: This is going to take a while because from everyone I've spoken with, the owners are not on the same page, and they're very divided on a number of issues, whether it's revenue sharing, Bri, uh, franchise tags, or, or something along the lines of a franchise franchise tag. So until they get on the same page, it's hard to bring a unified front to negotiate with the players.
1: Well, well, that's that, that's true. If 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 you're correct in that, and and I, I don't honestly don't know how deep the fractures are in the ownership side uh the players issues have kind of been more public right. as is usually the case agents and players tend to talk and owners tend not to um but yeah i i think you know if you're david stern yesterday and you really can see the light at the end of the tunnel on the economics and you're you want to go back in the room and say okay let's you know all bets are off let's hammer this out you can't do that if you have a significant number of owners on your bargaining committee who are just going to go to the wall for a hard cap system so um certainly a hard cap system is good for the small markets it's not good for teams like miami and new york who are collecting superstars and want to collect more Um so that's where you have your disconnect and i think that's uh... where really the hot spot is in this, in this uh, situation over the next several weeks.
2: Great insight, as always, from Ken Berger of CBSSports.com, NBA Insider. You can find him on Twitter at KBerg, B-E-R-G, CBS. Ken, thanks, as always.
0: I really appreciate it. All right,
1: anytime. No problem.
2: Talk to you soon.
1: Stay in the know
0: at SportsBusinessRadio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back.
2: Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision-maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio.
0: This is Sports Business Radio.
2: Well, we talk about great promotions and sports marketing on this show, and I saw one this week. It's, It's as clever as anything I've seen in a long time, to be honest with you. Nuvo, which is a condom company, has their extra protection plan for NFL quarterbacks. The quarterbacks, Griggs, that are sacked the most each week will be shipped a box of Nuvo condoms offering them the best protection in town. So they say all NFL quarterbacks should know that if your team can't keep you safe, the Nouveau protection plan can always lend a helping hand. Nouveau Condoms offers the best protection in town. Tavares Jackson of the Seahawks sacked five times last week. He was the recipient of a box
3: of Nouveau condoms this week. Say what you want, you can laugh. I think it's pretty clever. Yeah, it's great. It's humorous and it brings a smile to people's face when you hear about it. And it's, it's getting some good pub. I mean, we're talking about it. It's uh, Sports Illustrated hit on it. It's, uh, it's funny because it's one of those things you think, wow, we could have thought of that 20 years ago. But it's simple, but it's funny and it's, people like it. I think it's a great idea. Some clever people got into a room and uh, made those decisions. And, you know, look, in sports
2: marketing, I know people listening to the show are looking for unique ways to separate themselves from the competition. This is a way to separate yourself from the competition. Lots of people following the NFL. And I think people are going to go, hey, which guy got sacked the most this week? And who's going to get the box of condoms this week? So uh, kudos to Nuvo for their clever thinking. Lots of thank yous this week on the show. Ken Berger from CBSSports.com. He's their NBA insider. Great stuff. Follow him on Twitter, at KBergCBS. Great follow during this NBA work stoppage. And then Rusty Hathaway from Wailea Golf Club in Maui. Great playing with him. Beautiful golf courses out there. If you're ever in Maui, definitely make sure to stop and play the Wailea Golf Club. want to thank our show staff. Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Jared Melzer, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harrison, Doug Zanger. Also, a podcast reminder. If you miss us live, you can always catch us on demand. Just go to iTunes and find us there. Type in Sports Business Radio or... Go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Look for the iTunes icon on our front page. You can follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio.
1: If I told you things I did before, told you how you.
2: Go with someone like me If you knew my story, had It's the age of new media and citizen journalism. Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record. I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the record as provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com.